podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to part two of this Face Off Rival Watch podcast. It's still me, Alex, and Tadiwa. Uh, this one will be talking about Arsenal, Chelsea, and a look at um, potential teams that could sneak into the top six or even the top four. So yeah, thanks for coming back to the second part uh, and hope you enjoy the pod. Thank you. But we'll move on to uh, the other half of North London with Arsenal. Alex. Here we go. Yes, here we go. Here, here, we, here the, we here we go. Here comes the comedy. <laughs> um right. Their defense is shit. So their big money <laughs> signing this summer <laughs> is going to be Wilfred Zaha, apparently. Or attended to be Wilfred best. Zaha. It's the best. Their big summer signing with their budget of checks notes, forty million is going to be Wilfred Zaha at checks notes. 40 million. <laughs> they are going to spend their. Well, no. No, they're not because. Going to spend more than their entire budget. <laughs> yeah, this is where Arsenal get you. They don't go for players they can get, they go for players they can't, and then when they don't happen, they get worse players and disappoint their fans. They can't even get PR right. It's just. Oh, it's hilarious. The whole Zaha thing came out literally three days after Palace were like, no, we're not. We're, even if we get 70 million, we're not going to sell him. Three days later, Arsenal have bid forty million for Wilfred Zaha. It's like Arsenal just went, "All right, let's see this Wilfred Zaha bloke. <laughs> he's uh, he's just moved from Manchester United. He might be worth a punt. All right, let let's get onto him. Let's get onto him." And someone just had to come in and tell them, "Lads, it's twenty nineteen, not twenty sixteen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, forty million not gonna be worth not gonna be worth anything. But then they need us. They just their defense is ass." Like, he's just ass, And they don't have a left back, for one. They, they are linked they with Tierney, to be fair. Yeah, if they get Tierney, it would be a fantastic piece of business, right? But he won't come for less than £15 million. I reckon Celtic are going to extort them for 20 That's already half their budget. Saliba is the uh, centre-back at Saint-Étienne, mm-hmm. who will probably come... If Arsenal get their way, he will probably cost fifteen million pounds or so. But at the same time, there's just been a um, piece come out tonight by a French journalist saying that Roma are also interested in Salama, and while Roma also are in a bit of trouble, <laughs> they have the Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Why would he go? Um, but like at the same time, Roma aren't in a good spot. That's what Arsenal fans will say. But at the same time, neither are Arsenal. They're in an awful spot and they've got, they're at the back of the pack. Well, they're they're at the back of the leading pack and they're slowly realizing that the chasing pack is getting closer and closer and closer. And I know we talked a bit on the fantasy part about Leicester and Wolves movements in relation to uh, new signings and fantasy players. Arsenal do genuinely have to worry about getting European football this season but here's the thing if they bought smartly then it wouldn't matter if they bought smartly then you would either 
they, if you bought young players and bought clever, then you would either not get Europe, finish seventh, fine, rebuild. Play an entire season without Europe. It worked a treat for us, worked a treat for Chelsea. Or you get Europe, and that's your expectation, you get more money. Or it goes brilliantly right and you get Champions League. The issue is that Swiss Ramble came out with a bunch of uh, financial data and statistics basically saying that if Arsenal don't make the Champions League within two, three seasons, they are up shit creek and their boat's about to fall over. It's about to capsize because they just, the way the money, the way the club is run, the amount of money that the ownership most prevalently Stan Kroenke is siphoning out of Arsenal and the fact that their coach isn't very good and that Raul Sunlehi has taken full control because they sacked Sven Mislintat, whose signings were a bit crap. Uh, and it's just the, the rudderless ship will be sinking further down Shit Creek if they don't make Champions League soon, which means they have to get it absolutely right, but they don't have the money. So we're in the self-fulfilling prophecy where they start making stupid moves because they're getting desperate to make Champions League and those moves don't work out and they forget that they don't have a defense. And it's just it's a just comedy and it's a comedy of errors. I mean, if they were clever, they would take advantage of someone like Malcolm at Barcelona not starting many mm. games. Maybe offer a loan deal. Maybe you take advantage of someone like Draxler at PSG, although he might start a few more games this season. And you offer them a loan deal. You you try and be clever with your attack so that you can plug the copious holes in your defence. And uh, just a center back, just get a center back, lads. Saliba is only 20 years old. He's class, but he's only 20 years old. You well, still you saw got. Man, you saw Manolas go for 30 odd? 30 odd? Yeah. yeah. Which was kind of obscene. But then Costas Manolas is one of those defenders that every season he gets linked for less than 30 million. And everyone's like, oh my God, what a bargain. And then he doesn't move. And then the next season he gets leaked for less than 30 million. And everyone's like, oh my God, what a bargain. You have to face up to the fact that he's not that great. Roma have been very, very leaky lately. It wasn't just a difference. (laughs) He is much better than Mustafi, but he's about right for Napoli. And if they sell Koulibaly, they'll probably have regressed. But that's, that's beside the point because as of right now, you are looking at Arsenal going, Come on, that's just you, like it's not even the complex stuff, it's the simple stuff they're doing wrong. You don't bid 40 million for Wilfred Zaha when you've got a Babyang and Lacazette. All right, if Lacazette goes to Atletico Madrid, you go sign a proper winger or a proper striker. You don't then go spunk it on an overrated dribble merchant from Crystal Palace. All right, and it's just one of those things that Arsenal keep doing, they keep shooting themselves in the foot while they were aiming for the other bloke. I I just it's it's a comedy of errors, but it is genuinely tragic to see it happen over and over and over and over again. And I don't know how they get out of it. Tierney would be a good signing. They still need to sell plenty. Mavropanos is coming back, but he's probably not ready. If they sign Salabar, great. He's definitely not ready. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's just a comedy of errors. It is genuinely. A shambles, and it's curious to see how they get out of it. At this stage, I think they should just go with Rob Holding, Mavropanos, and maybe Socrates, and <laughs> just fuck everyone else. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I guess that you could technically play three of the back, but I don't think Emery will. I oh, think no. he'll want to play with two fullbacks, which means a left back, say for the sake of it, it's Tierney, 
right back Bellerine. Neither of those are very defensive, mm-hmm. although Tierney's better than Bellerine defensively, which means your set of backs is still going to be under shit loads of pressure, and that Especially doesn't solve anything. Front. <laughs> yeah, oh man. They would do well to get Xhaka off. There was uh, talks linking him to Inter for 30 million. They seem to have died down because Inter are back on the Nicola Barella bandwagon. So, uh, I uh, yeah, uh, they just confound me. Arsenal confound me. Yeah, and to do with your thoughts on, I suppose you just have to call it a bit of a mess, really. It's just from top to bottom, from squad to owner, it's it's just all seemingly wrong at Arsenal, considering the stability they had for twenty odd years. Right. If I'm Arsenal, I look at Liverpool thirteen fourteen season. What did Liverpool do? They threw out, or Rogers threw out his whole hundred and. 50 million pounds, I mean 150 page dossier on how he's going to transform Liverpool. And he effectively said, okay, I've got one of the best attacks in the league, if not the best attack in the league at that time. And I've got a terrible defense. What am I going to do? I'm just going to attack. I'm going to score more goals than the other team and we'll see how far that can take us. And then you know what? It took Liverpool pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. Arsenal have the attack to do that. Lacazette and Aubameyang are one of are two of the top elite strikers in world football. Those guys score goals. Arsenal last season scored goals. Attacking was not a problem for Arsenal last season. But you can see that every single time they got ahead, their defense did everything they could they could to pull them back. It's exactly like what Liverpool did in 13-14, where no matter how good the attack was, the defence always tried to outperform them, but obviously in the worst possible way. If I'm Arsenal, I just say, let's go all-out attack, because it doesn't seem like they're signing a defender. Either sign a defender or go all-out attack, but they seem to be doing neither. Last season, Emery had that opportunity to go all-out attack. They were scoring goals, but he seems to be you know, quite adamant on, on playing a system that requires you to have, you know, some level of quality in defense and they just don't have that. So if he's not going to embrace the all-out attack, then the only signing you should be making this transfer window is two defenders, two center backs, bending the likes of Koscielny, who his injuries, he's never going to get back to the level he was at, which in my opinion, I never thought was really yeah. as high as was rated mm-hmm, in so, any case. Yeah. So you got to get rid of him. You've got to get rid of Mustafi. Like, you, you just do. And you just you can keep a Rob holding, you know, you can keep the youngsters that are there, a Chambers coming back, you definitely keep him. But um, obviously, you know, Costa, um, if you want to keep him, sure, you keep him. But he shouldn't be the first choice. He should be, you know, the third, third option centre-back. You bring in two centre-backs that are going to plug the gaps and plug the holes for Arsenal not looking to sign forwards. I don't understand why they're even in a market for a forward player. But if, they, if their argument is we need to replace the Ramsey goals, you know what? You know how you replace the Ramsey goals? By conceding like 300 less goals, maybe. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you get back the Ramsey goals. You do not get back the Ramsey goals by signing another attacker. You've got two elite attackers that can do that for you. Also, if I'm Arsenal, you've got the likes of Reese Nelson Mm-hmm. that are wide players, really good wide players. They've got Smith, who's, you know, Smith Rowe, who's a really good wide player as well. 
you've got, you know, an Awobi, whether people like him or not, coming up. All these players who, when you've got a Lacazette and Aubameyang, they can play supporting roles. You've still got a Mkhitaryan, you've still got an Uzo who you can't sell. So you've still got the players. You don't need to add to that attacking side of the pitch. Um, and then they wonder why a Nabri go, you know, decides to leave because he's not getting minutes at Arsenal yeah. and ends up becoming Bayern Munich player of the season. You, you, do you hear what I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. weird. I don't understand what they're doing. Um, the you, know, running... you know, the best thing for Arsenal would be, the yeah. thing that would solve all their problems is if someone came in for Ozil. But as we said before, there's no suitors for it. No chance anyone's coming in for Ozil. Mm. No chance. I'm, the... I'm sorry. The, like, the only place Ozil was going after Arsenal was Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich who were was the plan, but that was the plan for him to go to Bayern Munich after Arsenal. Yeah. And they, Ideally, yeah. yeah, they just changed their minds, and and, and he was well, effectively it, stuck at Arsenal, really. Yeah, and if they don't want Hammers, fair enough too, because he doesn't fit in with Kovac. They exactly. won't want Özil. They're not going to want Özil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you play with what you have at this point in time and attack, and you've got more than enough. And then you saw our defense. Tony is going to be if he comes in will be a good signing, but. Unless Arsenal sign two new centre-backs, they're going to be in trouble yet again next season. Or alternatively, unless they say, you know what, we're going to embrace the all-out attack football, then it could be actually a fun season to to watch Arsenal play because they're going to be a lot of 4-3s, 2-1s. You know, we we saw that 13-14 season for Liverpool. So, yeah, that would be my advice to Arsenal. Sign two centre-backs or go all-out attack. They can sign Skirtle from somewhere. <laughs> uh, he <must laughs> Is he still around. in Turkey? He must be. He must be. <laughs> um, to D-Roll, stick with you. I mean, Alex mentioned um, Lacazette's been linked with Atletico Madrid to kind of form or spearhead their new attack with Felix. Um, Aubameyang, I can't remember. I think he was linked with China, but I think there was some really random links to Man United as well, which are obviously, I, I imagine, will be bullshit. But... They obviously have no money. Their owner's a bit of a dickhead. If you get a massive offer for Aubameyang or Lacazette, is is there an argument to sell that person and then fund the defensive restructuring they've needed probably since Colo Toure left for Man City? Maybe even before <laughs> that? That was a long time. That was like 2008. That's more than 10 years ago. So yeah, ten years plus they haven't had a defense. Yeah, that's great. That... Well, we were the exact fucking same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, to do is—is is there an argument to sell one of the the big ones to fund the restructuring? If you're gonna sell either one of them, I personally would sell Aubameyang, mm-hmm. just purely because of resale value. I think you know, just age-wise. Yeah, you're only gonna not just in terms of. Can they ever get the money back for an Aubameyang with the age? Not really, unless they do it now. And then also, you don't know how when Aubameyang's decline is going to be, because he's a really, really fast player. And when that pace goes, he's not necessarily the smartest in terms of football IQ. I don't mm-hmm. think. So yeah. once the pace goes, he, he's going to struggle. So you you don't want to be Arsenal holding onto an Aubameyang too long and then now you know when the music stops you're the one you're the one holding Aubameyang that that would be terrible for them the thing the reason why I'd sell Aubameyang now and sell him to China for a huge fee if they can is the problem with Arsenal at the moment is 
they do not sell well. When was the last time Arsenal sold a player for for a good fee? I I, I genuinely can't remember. Every single Arsenal, either he's it's a Ramsey going on a free transfer, which is criminal, or they're selling players for little money. So even to say, you know, if if your owner's only going to give you forty million, okay, fine, fair enough. He owns the club; that's his prerogative. But at least be able to generate some sort of money from players coming in. There's only Man City and Man United in the Premier League that can, and Chelsea, but even Chelsea use this tactic, is you have to be able to generate income for your transfer kitty from sales. Mm-hmm. We've seen Chelsea, Chelsea sign up all the youngsters and then just sell them. Chelsea could, Chelsea could turn around tomorrow and, and sell three of their, their, their 40 players on loan and have a 60 million kitty already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Chelsea definitely do it. Um, Liverpool do it. We've, we've shown we do it. Uh, Spurs have shown they, they, they do it. Um, Man United and Man City don't do it, but they can afford to not do it. I don't get the arrogance of Arsenal thinking they don't need to do it either. They need to get someone in that can start to sell their players for valuable money. That's the only way they're going to get transfer kitty in. And you start that by selling an Aubameyang and using that money to sort out the rest of the team. Yes, I understand, you know, he, he's a lethal striker. He's a golden boot contender striker. But as we've seen, the manager is not willing to embrace having an Alex Lacazette, uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang as, you know, as spearheading a team mm-hmm. that doesn't care about defending. So the only solution is to sell him at a high price and try and replenish the squad. So, yeah, I, I would sell, I would keep Lacazette and then I would sell Aubameyang. Well, Alex, that begs the question, um, is Unai Emery the right guy? I know he's in a tough circumstance with the shit owner and lack of money, but you've got this attack-heavy squad with zero defenders and you've got a relatively defensive manager who doesn't get on with your highest-paid asset. I mean, Ozil, I like Ozil. Obviously, he had that one season under... Wenger, where he's, I think he was like top assist maker in the league, and he's not really matched that. But there's definitely more to you can get out of Ozil, whether people think it's him being lazy or whatever. But the, you can still get more out of Ozil, regardless of what people think. So, is this a question that Unai Emery was a bad choice um, replacing Wenger? I think anyone in those circumstances <sighs> won't be optimal. Because the circumstances aren't optimal. I mm-hmm. don't think Unai Emery was at all the answer, though. I think it's, uh, to me, aspirational, but at the same time, incorrect. Because he he's too ideological. I get what they wanted. They wanted the coach that brought Sevilla to three straight Europa League finals. And to his credit, he brought Arsenal to a Europa League final, right? So he technically did his job. But to go to recede so far in the league and to not have a plan and to be tactically naive like he is uh, are three things that really Arsenal can't be tolerating so far. So if he gets a tactical plan this summer, if he decides, right, clear mind, this is my plan, here's how I want to do it, and most importantly, if he starts being heavy-handed with the players who aren't cutting their weight, then all of a sudden you can say, right, he's fixing the right things, he's adapting, he's what Arsenal need, because they don't need 
the best manager in the world because they can't get the best manager in the world. They need someone who can adapt to the circumstances that they're being put under. And right now, Emery looks like he's far too stubborn or just maybe not up to scratch to deal with the circumstances at Arsenal. But, and we'll come on to this later with the Frank Lampard's Chelsea, it's hard to say who would be good in those circumstances. I mean, any manager you get is taking a punt. Any manager you get won't be able to use Ozil because I don't think he can be used at this point. I think he is broken beyond repair. Uh, Any manager you get is going to have to deal with a god-awful defense. And any manager you get is going to have to deal with the fact that it's not him that's in control of the money. It's not him that's in control of the transfers. It's not him that's in control of the direction of the club. That is left to people. I don't want to say it's left to a mess of people, but it is left to a group of people who clearly don't have refined, no, defined roles. Suddenly he's kind of in charge of the finances. They've got the guy from Team Sky in charge of kind of contracts. Mislin Tat left. They were linked it's to Monchi as well, which would have made a... They not, were, was, which... Would have made sense. Which made sense because of the severe notion, but then he was awful at Roma. He was just dreadful. Uh, and, yeah, it's just... We were talking about how United didn't have the structure. Arsenal brought in the structure and then realized it wasn't the foundations it was built on weren't strong enough to sustain it, and now they're going to have to start building back up again. It's it's one of those things where Unai Emery is not the good choice, but who is the good choice? Like, you can't answer that until mm. a miracle happens. Um, for me, Arsenal are currently posited to finish probably eighth. I thought you, given- were, just gonna, thought you were just going to say Arsenal are. Fucked. Yeah. Can I throw a name name in there? Yeah. Why on earth have Arsenal not gotten Rafa Benitez in there at some point in time? That is. Yeah, it's true. He would be perfect. You know what I mean? Maybe Rafa was sick, but at the same time, he doesn't have a defense to work with, so maybe he wouldn't want the job. He had had Newcastle's defense. Like, like, let's be. That's true. At the same time, they bought bought Cher, who was good, and they already had Lascelles. Both of whom are better than any centre-back Arsenal well, has. Well, he's not. He, but he, he, but bought, he bought the cells. He bought the cells have from Nottingham. Sorry. That's would true. Actually, no, yeah. a, better, a better... He would be in a better position to improve Arsenal's defence than necessarily the position he was in to improve Newcastle's defence, is mm-hmm. what I mean. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... I think Rafa's sick mean, of de- dealing with dickhead owners, to be honest. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, he wouldn't get the money to spend either, so maybe that wasn't. Maybe Mike Ashley did really break him. But it's true. Why Rafa Benitez, or just any a manager like that, a manager who can set up a team resolutely, I think that's what Arsenal needs. They don't need idealists anymore. They've had two men. Wenger was too idealistic for his own good, and now they've got Emery in who's too idealistic for his own good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, to put it in the immortal words of Guy, Arsenal are fucked. Yeah. I do like that Rafa shout, but I think if he goes, if he goes to China for a year, maybe two and Emery gets sucked, whether it's a year or two, I, I could see Rafa going to Arsenal. I mean, I know he wants, I think he wants to live in in the North because his family's in Liverpool and stuff like that, but Arsenal, maybe a, a project to work with, 
especially if in this two years they're not going to fix it in two years, but if they have a a better um, backroom setup or they're on the way to doing a setup like us post Kamoli, I suppose it it could be a project that Rafa could take. But I, I like the Rafa shout, and yeah, it just shows how underrated a manager he is, I suppose. But I, I think Arsenal fans would probably kick off seeing as they wanted Simeone and Allegri, and they got Emery. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, they're not one, one thing's for certain; they're not getting Diego Simeone. Yes, yes, I don't. I think it's literally Atletico, Atletico Inter, Argentina. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, legit. I've never seen a yeah. man more restricted to his, or maybe Zidane, but a man more restricted to jobs. He's like, right. I used to be, Yitta was my home, I managed there. Atletico Madrid is my home, I managed here. Argentina is my country, I yep. managed there. Yeah. Enough. Absolutely. <laughs> That'll do me. Uh, but Arsenal, yeah, I think they're buggered. We'll, we'll kind of come back to them because the point on them finishing outside the European places will maybe touch on a couple or few clubs who could um, sneak in. Um, but we will finish on the top six clubs with. The transfer banned Chelsea, although they have signed Kovacic. Uh, 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 Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Frank Lampard's Chelsea, taking over from Frank Lampard's derby. Uh, yep, correct. Yes, uh, <laughs> but they have a transfer ban, even though they signed Kovacic, which is some heavy bullshit. Um, <laughs> UEFA, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but to do uh, Chelsea obviously got Lampard. They got rid of Sarri, whether it's harshly or wrongly. I mean, there was really a dis- disconnect in that club with any manager, but Sarri seemed to especially be disconnected with the club. Um, I was going to make a joke there about him being a bigot and stuff, but I won't. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, Frank Lampard's took the job or got the job. Whether he's ready for it or whatever, <clears throat> Chelsea are in kind of dire circumstances. Their owner's not allowed in the country. They have a transfer ban. They've just lost their... Everyone says they're one good player, but Kante is really good. <laughs> uh, they lost their best attacking player, or only attacking player, really. They've got an injury crisis with um, Loftus-Cheek missing majority of the season. I think um, hudson Doyle misses most of this year. Um, so, Chelsea, what, what can they do? Because they got top four, which was possibly a surprise. Obviously, won the Europa League as well. But... Is it almost an impossible task to kind of match this level? Because they've lost quite a lot already. Yeah, I think you just you have to start off with the manager. Hey, the manager appointment. I think it's it's not the right... I would have said it's not the right time for Lampard. But obviously, if you're Frank Lampard, maybe from his perspective, um, especially being such... Having been a player that played at such a competitive level, he's always going to think you know, he's always going to back himself and you only get to that level if you, if you back yourself, regardless of what the naysayers say. So I can see why he chose to be Chelsea manager. I'm just not sure why Chelsea chose him to be Chelsea manager. Mm. Um, but I think it could be done. And the reason I say it is because Chelsea have about two other squads worth of loan loan um, players that have gone out that Lampard could pick from to build, you know, that could be Lampard's transfer market. You you know, he's, he's got, if you look at the players that went out on loan, the Tammy Abrahams, the Michi Batuais, they've got players out there, you know, um, even defensively, they've got, uh, what's his name? Rhys James. 
Reese James, yeah, Reese James out. Zuma's there as well. They've they've got quite a good team in terms of loan team. They've got the best loan team in in world football, so they can still bring players in and freshen it up through that system. I think the trick for Lampard, for me, and if 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 he if he makes this approach, I think that's probably the best way to go about it is to go into the dressing room. Put an arm around the Tammy Abrams, the Mitchie Batchewise. Unfortunately, he won't have, you know, Robert, Robert, uh, Ruben Loftus cheek because of injury and Callum Hudson Adoy. But you could bring them into the conversation, the Andre Christensen's, for example. Mm-hmm. And you say to all these young players, look, every other manager, manager that's come before me has had zero faith in you guys to be Premier League players. But you know what? I trained with most of you guys day in day out and i saw your quality and i believe in you i believe you guys are at this level i've trained with you i know your playing style and i've played against the best players in the world and i'm telling you you guys match them you know what i mean and he brings this young rejuvenated squad through over the next two maybe three seasons and he could build something really special at chelsea don't rely on the Williams and the like these guys are a part of a dressing room that really wasn't that great. And obviously Lampard is, was part of that dressing room. But I, I mean, in terms of the culture of the dressing room, not necessarily yeah. the, the, the player profile in the dressing room, the cultural dressing room at city, I mean, at, at Chelsea is really, really rotten. So he needs to will, you know, he needs to rejuvenate that first and foremost. And I think the best way to do that is taking all those fringe young players who are talented, they've got talented young players, and making them, you know, feel way more important than than they've been made to feel in the past. And and then going to and obviously this discussion is probably one he would have had to have before signing, but going to the Chelsea higher ups and saying, listen, give me three seasons guaranteed, regardless of, you know, whether we make Champions League or not. Let's see what we actually have in terms of all these players that we have on loan out, out all over the world. And let me be the bridge between you guys and them because I'm, I'm close to their age. I can relate to them better. I've played with them and let's give them the reins to really go and, and prove that they can do it. And I think that could be really, really exciting. Um, if, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I think that's probably the best way to go about it because it seems like Chelsea are, slowly going away from being you know the Chelsea of you know the last 10 years or so where they can go out and and buy whoever they want it seems like City have you know gazumped them and and taken that title tenfold from from Chelsea so they need to try and bring in a new approach and and you can see I think the the new is a direct the director of football relations was one of the higher-ups at Chelsea um the lady that they appointed, you can see she's trying to bring that in. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see whether or not they can implement that with Lampard. But yeah, that that would be my strategy. Yeah, yeah, Alex, your your thoughts on just a weird situation Chelsea are in. I okay, so I'll I'll I'm still trying to collect my thoughts and articulate them properly on this. I'll be writing an article soon regarding Frank Lampard. I'm still not sure whether where I'll pitch it yet, but. I do have, there's a lot of swirling around Frank Lampard and how he relates to kind of all the Solskjaer and the differing 
contextual kind of applications of United's peril and Chelsea's peril. But the first thing I'll say is, as for the idea that it's not a very good fit, it is and it isn't. It is in the sense that Taddy was saying where why like Chelsea going for him doesn't necessarily make that much sense until you think like, well, this season is a free hit for them because they could be 12th in December and he wouldn't get sacked. When you are a transfer band and a new coach is coming in, there are myriad excuses to have. So that's Chelsea's side. On the flip side, Frank Lampard comes into Chelsea basically with the whole idea being it doesn't matter how I do because after this, I can still go anywhere. For one, they'll love me, so I'll get all the protection in the world In at a club where managers don't get protection, especially from the fans, a lot. And the owners are essentially silent. Um, Marina Gradovskaya is running things day to day now for Abramovich, which means that I mean I can't I can't envision Marina Gradovskaya's voice. I can barely think of what she looks like on in if I pictured her in my mind right now. She is one of those anonymous owner. She's not doesn't really own the club. She is one of those anonymous heads of football that you kind of think of. Yeah, even the Glazers. Envision the Glazers. No, you envision Ed Woodward. You envision, and on the kind of on the flip side, you envision Abramovich. You don't envision Granovskaya, and that means that there has always been a lack of protection. Is the word I used before, but almost um, an instant reaction as soon as anything goes badly wrong with the cycle of managers that is at Chelsea it almost always goes, right, something's going wrong, guns at the ready, fire at the manager, and the entire fan base kind of, it doesn't necessarily fracture all the time, but it certainly splits in certain ways, and the manager feels the brunt of that. Um, it happened with Saturday. Saturday was kind of unfairly done by the fans, given what he achieved. He certainly wasn't a failure, but at the same time, the Chelsea team that lost 6-0 to Manchester City were just a shadow of what any Chelsea team should be. That Chelsea team was abysmal. It was torrid. They only really made top four, as as my Chelsea friend said, because they were the ones stumbling the least. Uh, and to me, the idea of Saturday moving to Juventus was more along the lines of Saturday wanted to leave and Juventus, he wanted to go back to Italy, the Chelsea kind of atmosphere was hostile. Uh, so that's the, the previous incumbents there. Lampard coming in, well, when you think about it, that people will say, why would he take it if it fails? You know, he's he's in trouble. But he's not, because Chelsea hire managers, and two years later, those managers are gone. It's every time. It doesn't matter how long they stay, two years later, those managers are gone. Jose leaves Chelsea in, what was that, 15, 16 season, I think? Or was that was Conte's? The, so maybe. No, so Conte. 15, 16 was the last one. That's Leicester won the league. So that's when they imploded. That's when Chelsea imploded, I should say. Yeah. Conte, first year won. Conte won the league then in. 16, 17. Yep. 17, and 18, then he City fought, he won the out. league. Yeah, he fell out, which cost. Uh, Conte fell out with Costa and everyone. Yep. Still got more uh, points than Sari. 
Yeah. So 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 then yeah. So there you go. So Conte was two years. Yeah. Before that, Jose was what year and a half won the title. Two, two years. Then, two and a half years. Oh, two and a half years. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So he won the title middle year, and then uh, obviously was was like fifteenth with that Chelsea side that mm-hmm. imploded. Before that, you've got the likes of Di Matteo. All right, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was only there because of circumstances, but he won the Champions League and they sacked him. Uh, you've got VS Boas was deemed to take over, didn't, ended up at Tottenham, ended up getting sacked at Tottenham as well. Um, the last real success there was Mourinho. I mean, you even look at the likes of Ancelotti and it's just those managers who just, they keep going through the mm. cycles. One after the other after the other. Avram Grant, that was glorious. Hoodink, hoodink, Chelsea's hitting, yeah, Gus, third time hitting third time, right? As well. <clears throat> but there's one thing in common with all of these managers. Okay, maybe not Avram Grant. They keep getting jobs afterwards. Yeah, Conte is at Inter. Mm-hmm. Ancelotti got to Bayern, and Madrid was after Chelsea, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, AVB only didn't get a job because he didn't want to do football. No, he's back. Exactly, he's back he, he now went back well. to. Yeah, and he, he was at Zenit as well. Then yeah, he yeah. went and um, kind of dropped out of football. Uh, even the likes of uh, like Sadi's gone to Juve. Okay, they poached him, but I mean, if that if he was really as much of a failure as Chelsea fans said he was, would he have gone to Juventus? No. Mm. Um, Mourinho went from Chelsea to yeah. yeah, Conte only Conte only didn't walk into a job because he wanted to take a break and he didn't want to manage outside of Italy again. <laughs> and he had, uh, and and he had a court dispute with Chelsea. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he was still waiting for his compensation. Absolutely. So you're looking at all these managers going, well, they were all sacked. And they just went straight to another job. So, of course, Lampard would take it. It's not going to affect him. Either way, he either does brilliantly at the club that loves him or he fails under very difficult circumstances. The club still loves him. He goes on and does another job. And for Chelsea, they accept that they are a recycling club. Not not necessarily a recycling club. They are a club with disposable assets being their managers and they accept that they aren't going to plan long-term because their long-term plan was Maurizio Sarri and it didn't work. They didn't give him patience. The club didn't accept his ideas, his methodologies. They thought he was too stubborn and the pressure was on, which means you can't then go and employ someone like, I don't know, Nagelsmann or someone, the most Gasparini from Italy is probably the most, promising young Italian coach, even though he's actually quite old because most Italian coaches are old. Um, but we'll say they employed like Di Francesco. I guess they already did with Sardi, but again, he was old. Or you go and you get a young Spanish coach, a young, mm-hmm. and you go and sign Eddie Howe. None of them would last. They just wouldn't do it. So what's your alternative? Well, if you're going to get a young coach, you make it different. You make it someone who, I hate this word, but understands what it is to be at Chelsea, someone who knows what it is to how it is to play the game, someone who's been through it, all of it as captain. And most importantly, someone who has the fans on his side at the very least. Um, you and Taddy mentioned the loan list that will certainly only play into his favor. Jody Morris being there definitely only plays into his favor. And having the transfer ban kind of plays into his favor in that he does get the the circumstantial accountability of, well, 
I couldn't do anything. I couldn't sign anyone. Look at this. I'm having to play Tammy Abraham up front with Olivier Giroud. Of course, we're not scoring goals. That kind of shit. Uh, So to me, it does make sense for both parties the more you think about it. It still is going to be strange. It still is definitely going to be testing for them. But at the same time, yeah, I can understand it. And I am curious to see how Frank Lampard's Chelsea handles this season. I certainly think Frank Lampard's Chelsea will maybe not end up better, but will certainly transpire better than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United. Possibly. He might do worse. <laughs> he uh, might do worse, but do. I think it will transpire better. Yeah, it, I won't, think yeah, it won't blow up as much. Yeah, I get it. It will not blow up. Yeah. Like, they, Chelsea could well finish fourth or they could well finish eighth, but either way, the end of the season will not be as tumultuous as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United, which mm-hmm. I have a sneaky suspicion is going to implode, like you said, before Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, well put, well put. Um, to do what? So obviously Chelsea in a bit of a crappy circumstance, but we mentioned the injury problems and um, we mentioned the loan um uh, people coming back. But who who do you think will be will emer- emerge as the key people? Because it's big shoes to fill with with Hazard and uh, well, just Hazard. <laughs> um, it is big shoes to fill, and it's a very big gap um to fill as well. But who who do you think? could emerge this season for Chelsea? I think Andreas Christensen at yep. centre-back because he's going to continue to to improve, I think, with age. Um, and he seems to have had a relatively quiet season last season where hopefully you could see him from a Chelsea perspective, hopefully see him having more influence this coming season. Um, I think also Michi Bashuai. I think he he's, he seems to be a player that's on the brink all the time. Like you can see there's a spark in him, maybe similar to a young Daniel Sturridge in terms of being on the fringes of a Chelsea team, yeah. looking for someone to give him a chance. And that's us, you know, saying if Lampard, if Lampard goes into the season saying, Mitchie, you're my boy, like I'm going to put you up front, lead, lead this team, you know what I mean? In, in terms of uh, attacking and scoring goals. I think he would be happy to embrace that. He seems like a player that's that's confident enough in his ability to to want to embrace and and want that kind of responsibility. So yeah, of of all the players, Mitchie is the one to watch. Uh, I think Pulisic. It it might take him a while to get used to the Premier League. He's obviously a gifted player, but um, I think it would be a mistake to put too much hope on him. So yeah, it, it's a shame for them. And obviously, I suppose for football in general, that Robin Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi aren't going to be able to feature as much as they would have wanted to, because I think those two would probably have been my first choice yeah. option. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much the same. Alex, you were, say were, Christian Pulisic's biggest fan. No, you can't be. Um, it's such a shame. Yeah, I mean... He got, I, I didn't watch him, but just looking, he obviously he seemingly got usurped a bit by Jane Sancho's emergence um, and, and stuff like that. As he, as he progressed from um, what, what you saw to uh, have limited minutes last season, do you think he can make an almost instant impact with, with Chelsea? Because he is directly coming in as a Hazard replacement, I suppose. I would say he's regressed from his peak at Dortmund. 
but I would also say he's still young enough that he, that regression can be addressed and then superseded and overlapped. Uh, I do think he fits the profile of what Chelsea want, to be honest. So whether he's a Hazard replacement is moot at this point because I don't think anyone can be a Hazard replacement, but mm-hmm. he is what they want. He's direct. He dribbles. He can score multiple types of goals. He just won't have the influence that Eden has. He can't carry a game on his back like Eden Hazard, and he will dip in and out of games. So Chelsea fans are going to have to get used to that streakiness. Uh, I Teddy was mentioning the the likes of Michi there. I think adding on to that, players that Lampard could well use. Mason Mount, he had a derby. He's class. Yeah. Uh, probably still a bit young, but he's class. Reese James, you mentioned it right back. He'll probably come in. I imagine Emerson at left back will see a fair bit more of as well, uh, given the train wreck that is Marcus Alonso. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Hudson Odoi being injured is a real shame because Hudson Odoi and Pulisic would be a hell of a flank duo. Um, even with someone like Michi being able to play them in, I would actually kind of favor Giroud there, to be honest, who signed a new deal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, one of those things where you think. Maybe Frank Lampard's not going to be as much of a pickle as he is right now until the point where you see it and it all collapses and obviously it all goes wrong because, of course, it was going to go wrong because they're fucked. So it's one of those things where I don't know how bad it is going to be until it happens. Um, Yeah, it's a huge guessing game, Frank Lampard's Chelsea. But at the same time, I think it's going to be enjoyable. I think it is going to be fun. Yeah. I only, I only did this with Man, Man United so far because I think there was quite a lot of um, new blood in there. But I suppose it, uh, we'll do the same with Chelsea if I go through what I think the team will be. I'll stick with 4 3 even though I didn't really watch Derby that much. But I'll go with 4 3 for now. Um, Kepper, I'll stick with Aspi over Reese James for now. So Aspi, Quetta, Christiansen, Rudiger? Yeah, probably. Um, Emerson. It won't be Louise, put it that way. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Um, Emerson or ten men. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, midfield's the strange one because if Kante goes back, well, I don't think Kante is a sitting DM. He's someone who needs. No, to he's be, not. He yeah. needs to be the two. Yeah, so and Lampard said he'll allow. Well, not he'll allow. He would be inclined to give Danny Drinkwater another chance, who could be kind of the. <laughs> the sit-back defensive midfielder that, well, I mean, they don't have many other options. Well, they do, because they've got Kovacic uh, automatically, as um, Roberto Martinez used to pronounce. And, uh, yeah, well, actually, hang on, who else is in there? Jorginho. Well, Jorginho will play, but the third one could be... Oh, yeah, they've still got Bakayoko, don't they? So, technically, Bakayoko and Conte could feasibly work. So I'd say, well, if they play four two three one instead, say say Jorginho Kante in a two probably makes more sense. I imagine. I know Jorginho can't really defend, but he can sit deep. Um, yeah. And then I think RLC's buggered for all the season, so I won't count him. Yeah. But I think Cho yeah. will be back at some point, so I'll say I'll count him. Say Hudson Odoi right, Pulisic left. Ten's a bit of a bugger. I don't really have anyone. As well, a that's 10. the thing. Do you bring in Barkley as a number ten? Yeah, Barkley. Or do you put Pulisic in the ten and then Willian out on the right? 
Mm. Or do you play... Uh, does Frank Lampard's Chelsea play a Frank Lampard formation and go 4-4-2 and have, I don't know, Conte and... George, Conte running up and down, Jorginho sitting, Pulisic wide right, hudson Adoy wide left, Giroud dropping deep a lot, and then Michi run doing all the running. Like, it's, it's so difficult. You can't pick out anything in this in this team. It's what makes it so unpredictable. Unless there's a youngster, I can't think. Can Mount, is Mount a number 10? I don't think he is. is he, he can play there, but I don't yeah. know if he'll start. Yeah. Like he, like he is nominally a number ten slash attacking midfielder in a four three three, but the question is whether you trust him to start yeah. straight off. Like I'd say Barkley for now. Well, no, I think yeah. Pul- I think Pulisic is a ten and William and well, they don't yeah. have Chor till Christmas anyway. But I'll go with him anyway. I think that probably makes the more sense. And Pedro can fill in whilst Fingy's injured. Um, so and then up front. I'd like to see Batshuayi given a shot because I quite like him as well. I think Giroud's probably the favourite one, but say if it's Batshuayi or Abraham, who I don't... It's weird with Abraham. He might be like Cameron Jerome where he's meant in the championship and shit in the Premier League. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's a, that's a very real possibility. Yeah. He could very well be Jordan Rhodes' flat-track bully championship yeah. gets up a level, then oopsies. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But is, to do, is that good enough... Not maintain, but is it good enough to be in the conversation for top four? Yeah, I think purely because the other teams aren't going to improve <laughs> as much. Not necessarily because they're going to be improving enough. Um, but I, I wonder if how Lampard's probably the biggest task for him is how he's going to manage Premier League and Champions League. Um, that that could be interesting in terms of how he ends up uh, using his squad for both for both tournaments. Obviously, p- playing for Derby, they did play a lot of you play a lot of games in the championship, um, so maybe he might be used to that type of thing. But obviously, it's it's a completely different level now uh, that he's entering. So I think if he's able to manage the squad between the two, I think they'll be well in the conversation for top four because. Who effectively, effectively was saying it's going to be Arsenal, Chelsea, and United racing for that top four, and then I, if we go on to, you know, potential outside teams that could sneak in there, there might be other teams as well. But um, I think United, I think City, Spurs, Liverpool probably be safe from that battle for top mm-hmm. four. You'd you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think I think it will be like this season where it's going to be teams battling each other to see who outdoes themselves and not making top four. They're necessarily one standing out and, and taking charge. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think a lot of question marks are over United because if they sack, if they sack Solskjaer in like September, I think they'll be like a sure thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, as long as I don't hire like, who's a legend who shit? Uh, Giggs. Mike Feeling gets a job full yeah. time. Mike Feeling. Give it, give it gigs. Yeah, give it gigs. Give it but, gigs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very strange one with a battle for top four. Um, also, but, sorry, I forgot about Mateo Kovacic signed permanently for Chelsea, yeah. so that you can stick him at the 10. I suppose, but he didn't really do up last season. <laughs> he didn't, but... <sighs> yeah, I still believe there's a player in there. And... Mm. He wasn't put too far forward. I don't know. I'm just. I'm maybe I'm clutching at straws, but I, I have a sneaky suspicion that he would be better if unleashed further forward. 
Possibly, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. It, that'll be the main source of experimentation is the midfield, I imagine. Um, yeah. Uh, but I have kept you guys a lot longer than I thought we would. Uh, this is kind. Of, this has turned into a two-parter. Uh, but before we finish up, um, we don't need to go into any detail on on these other teams. But is there any? Teams in particular, I know it's very still early-ish in the summer, but there's a lot more business to be done. But um, today, is there any other teams in the league that you think could sneak into the top six, if not the top four? Because I mean, Leicester um, look like they're signing Tielemans, um, ev- <laughs> evident. <laughs> but is there any other teams that look like they could sneak in? I forgot to say Wolves as well. Yeah, well, the thing with Everton is they've got a really friendly start to the season. So they could start the season hot and sort of ride the momentum, maybe. Um, so mm. I think they have that going for them. Um, in terms of who I think could sneak in, I think Leicester's probably the most primed team to, to, to try and sneak into that top six. And I think they, they stand a really good chance of doing it. Um, they've made some good signings. Obviously, getting Tillemans in permanently would be really, really important to what they, they want to do this season. You th- yeah, I think it's correct to throw Wolves in there, but I just want to... The only caution I have with Wolves is they're going to be playing European football next yeah. season. So that might be a hindrance to them. And With with the tiny squad as well. Exactly. Nuno, Nuno uses a very small squad. He uses a small squad, and you you might wonder if some of their players would be really motivated for a Thursday night and then be like, oh, now I have to go to Burnley away. You know what I mean? And and not be as motivated. So they, they could end up getting quite a lot of surprise draws or losses, especially games after or just before uh, European night. So that's my only caution with, with Wolves. If they didn't have European football, I definitely would have thrown in them, them in there and said they're going to be in the top six. But the only caveat is that European football that, that might hinder them. So for me, my pick is Leicester. Uh, Alex, uh, same with today. Or have you got another team in mind? Uh, full season, Brendan Rodgers Leicester intrigues me. I wonder whether he will go full Swansea and implement his um, mentality of move the ball quick and uh, kind of look good while you play fast. But at the same time, we had the precautionary tale of Celtic, which is. Brendan Rodgers is not the man who was at Swansea because he has a massive ego these days. Uh, it was probably always there, but it certainly didn't flare up as much as it did at Celtic. He Leicester won't allow him to be as big-headed as he was in Scotland, obviously, but I do wonder if maybe the man's pride will come before his, his own fall, as tended to happen a bit at Liverpool. Um, in terms of a squad and the way they're, they're set up to play, yep, Brendan looks good. West Ham intrigued me a lot because they're just perennially this side that could do so much damage and then don't. And I think they need one more transfer window absolutely right, uh, because they've already got Pellegrini and they've got the new stadium settled in now and they've got the finances going that one more season of complete settled-in football coupled with a really good window, really good summer window, um, and maybe the likes of Felipe Anderson kind of bursting back onto the scene consistently. I think they could really threaten. They do have the tools, but yeah. maybe it's a mentality question. Um, other than that, I I think no matter how much of a good start Everton get, they're still Everton. 
<laughs> and I think Wolves as a small squad will hind- will hinder them kind of over the Christmas period, especially because I think they could actually go quite far in the Europa League. So um, that's that's where my reservations come. But as of right now, I'd still pick Wolves to finish sixth, uh, purely because I think they've just got a phenomenally talented squad. They will probably get another Jorge Mendes signing, or George Mendes, however you pronounce it in Portuguese. Uh, and Ronaldo to Wolves confirmed. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. Maybe maybe even Gareth Bale. Who knows? Um, and yeah, I think they're their best position in terms of the talent, I think in terms of the squad, it's probably Leicester in terms of the wild card West Ham. I, I quite like the West Ham shot because outside of, um, I think if, if they do settle, they obviously kind of settled the young ones, uh, young defense last season. Uh, I think if they saw central midfield and on Declan Rice kind of settled in, maybe, I know Wilshire was the guy, but maybe finally find a successor to Mark Noble. They they could they could be something and obviously replace Alnatovic as well. Um but yeah, th- this has been a really long show and thank you. Thank you both, <laughs> especially. Um Thank but, you for having us on. Yes. It was very, very fun to actually go on and on about all the rest of the top six. Because it was it certainly had more thoughts than I'd written down on my little notepad here. <laughs> it was, it's about I've got about less than a page of dot points and ended up being a ridiculous amount of thoughts. So thanks, guy. <laughs> You're welcome. You could put us in the article. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, good laugh at Arsenal, uh, especially in the second half. But yeah, th- thank you as well to you. It's been it's been a long one, and and thank you everyone who's listened to to both halves as well. Um, I will try and get more face offs, but if there's any topics you want discussing, just to send me a. A, a message on Twitter or if you're on Discord or whatever, just to send me it. I'll try and get a pod together and hopefully Liverpool will eventually sign someone and I will find people to talk to it about. Fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, one day. That isn't a 17-year-old kid from Holland nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, goodbye. Podcast Network.